G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10, Twista has a singular focus. We're identifying and sharing the stories of Australia's world-changing startups. The startups that when they go from zero to one really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders, the investors. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. So come along the journey in conversation with one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs. Canva's Cameron Adams. How did Canva grow into such a big and well-loved startup? We'll find out on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. With User Testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com slash twista for a free trial. User Testing, real human insight. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at zendesk.com twista. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Our Crowd. Our Crowd finds companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals and invest in them too. Join the fastest-growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash Twista. Back in 2015, on episode 201, we invited Canva co-founder and chief product officer Cameron Adams onto Twista. Now, he was at Canva, but as he told us, he never really wanted to work there. Funny story, I walked into their office and, and Mel was like, oh, you're here for the job interview. And I'm like, I don't want to work for you guys. <laughs> uh, they were interviewing for a flex developer for their for their yearbook application, and I chatted to them, uh, heard about their idea, thought it was kind of interesting, then went on my merry way. Um, Fluent hadn't quite wound up then, and over the next few months, kind of their idea was percolating in my mind, mm-hmm. and you know, every time I thought about it, it was really interesting, and I, I hit them back up about three or four months later, and asked them where they were at, and they were like, yeah, we're just we're just getting it together now. Would you like to help us, you know, build this thing and be a, be our technical co-founder in a sense? Um, and you know, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Which is a role that you've now called the chief product officer. It seems very wrong to call Cam an accidental entrepreneur. If you go back and listen to episode 201, you will hear him tell the story of working on Google Wave and all of his entrepreneurial lessons that he learned from that. Yet, back in 2015, Canva was still a very small company. 
Given that the last year in particular has been a rocket ship ride in Canva, presumably, do you, how many employees are there total at Canva? Uh, there's 40 now. Okay, so that's that's a lot, right? And that means that there's now politics in the organization and all sorts of interesting things that probably weren't the case when you came on board. Definitely. So how have you been managing that? How has the team been managing that growth? Um, it's been interesting. We try and We try and keep our finger on the pulse as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I think with any structure, it can, it can grow to a certain level and then there's a breaking point where you have to change it, right. uh, often radically. Um, we actually did that at the start of this year. So last year we had a few projects going out, including our iPad app, um, our more social involvement with the site, um, and also our design marketplace. So getting graphic designers onto Canva and getting them selling their work, um, which were three quite big things. Um, and looking at how we manage those things and the deadlines we hit or didn't hit with those things, we've tried to kind of improve that this year and given a lot more autonomy to our teams. So we've set up each project as its own team that can make its own decisions, doesn't necessarily have to talk to me, Mel and Cliff all the time, um, but obviously we're there when big decisions need to be made. Uh, but letting each team feel in control of their destiny and have a say in what direction their project goes in. So... That's where we were seven years ago. And with that in mind, let me welcome Cameron Adams back to This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome, Cam. Thank you, Mark. It's a real pleasure. You you mentioned 2015 before. I can't even imagine how far back that is now. You had 40 employees. Wow, that seems like a very small company. (laughs) Well, so how many employees are there at Canva today? I think last count, last Friday, it was 2,780. <laughs> okay. So, so just a few more employees then, right? Yeah, a couple Basically, more. So, sort of 50x the number that you had back in 2015. That was some good quick maths, but yeah, 50, 50 times. All right. How did that go? 50x is a lot of growth. It's, it's interesting. You don't, it definitely doesn't feel like a company of close to 3,000 people. Like we still feel closely bonded. Culture is a massive thing for us. We focus on the environment in which people are working and we want them to work somewhere that they love and somewhere that they can achieve great things. Uh, so we've focused a lot over the last seven years on doing that and maintaining that. Uh, there are certain moments where you realize there are a lot of people at the company, but particularly in the last couple of years with the world going pretty much full-time remote, it is hard to get a sense of the number of people that could possibly be in the room at any one time for Canva. Um, so I think we've, and when I say we, I mean all of us, not just at Canva, we have siloed we've become very niche we've inhabited these social circles which don't encompass the full breadth of possibly what we did prior to the pandemic Uh, so that has helped i think constrain the the mental size of canva and the amount of stuff that you have to deal with at any one time because there's just simply the, the interactions are more refined is what you're saying yeah it's like it's it's very much pros and cons. Like we miss that connection that we have and that ability to talk to someone in the corridor and come up with these new ideas, hear about everything that's going on. But it is great for efficiency because you schedule a meeting, you go along to the Zoom room, you talk with that person, you get the thing done. Uh, so it's 
two sides of the same coin and, and neither is better than the other. And I think you really have to balance them. The other thing you said was that week, probably the next day, you were going to pass 1.4 million users. That was, that was also a very small number. And with more than 50x that one, uh, so we're up to 80 million people that use Canva every month. And I think we probably measured uh, in a different way back then. So when we said 1.4 million users, uh, probably what we meant was 1.4 million signups, whereas now we definitely measure it in terms of people who are actually using the product. So you know, you're talking about if there's 1.4 million signups in terms of the number of people using it every month would be, what, a half a million or something like that probably back then? Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so you're talking about something that's 160 times larger than that. Now, that's, some of that's operational, but it also means now you, again, have that many more customers with that many more needs and that many more. So how, again, did you negotiate that kind of growth? That kind of growth is probably a little less critical, I think, than team growth. Team growth requires a lot more management. It breaks a lot more things. Uh, when you go from 40 people to 100 people, you just have to totally change the way that you do things internally. Whereas with user growth, uh, it is more of a gradual scale and stuff doesn't break as much as it as it possibly could in, in company structure. And I think we're very fortunate to have a really great technological team who foresaw that scale and it also dealt with that scale at other companies like Google. Um, so they structured our engineering stack, our infrastructure in a way that could deal with lots of traffic and lots of users. So we haven't actually had too many moments of breakage in terms of Canva's actual digital operations. Um, when I look, when I think back to Twitter's early days and a bunch of other startups where they had these times where they had days of downtime and, and people were cursing them and, and wondering what the hell they'd do with the rest of their day. Like we haven't really had too many of those moments with Canva. Um, so in terms of like that technical side of user growth, it's, it's been fairly good. There's, there's obviously been challenges that we've dealt with and the team on, on serving all that infrastructure has grown massively. In terms of like product footprint, like what the product is, what it's used for, uh, I think for us, the, the user growth is just an expression of the vision of our product and where we've taken it and what we really wanted to do with Canva from day one, but which we couldn't do from day one. Uh, so back in 2015, Canva would have still just been a social media graphic design tool. If you wanted to put something nice on Twitter or Instagram, you could use Canva to do that. It was great for your small business marketing, for digital influencers, all that type of stuff. Uh, but since then, we've included things like presentations. We now have video editing on Canva. We've got websites. You can make a T-shirt. Uh, there's pretty much nothing that you can't design and create on Canva. And it has taken a while to build that product and figure out the shape of this much bigger camera product that now services a whole bunch of different needs for people all around the world doing all sorts of different things. Uh, and that has, has probably been uh, an area of real growth and a real thought that we've had to put into it.
you point to something that for a lot of companies is a very difficult thing, which is that if you have a lot of users with a lot of different needs, and often the users don't really even understand the needs enough to be able to articulate them, they just know they have it. How do you prioritize that kind of uh, delivering the thing that you think that they want in the way that they want it from all of the things that you think they might want? We try to really balance it. I think you can go to the extreme where you take exactly what this small group of users want and they tell you they want and you build that exact thing down to the letter. Um, and that way I think lies madness because you'll end up with an interface that has all these really niche use cases that you've had to cram in and have this button for and this particular functionality that you need. Uh, you know, as, as is the typical adage about innovation and and not making a faster horse. You really need to listen to the users but understand what they truly need. And the way that we tend to balance that is by not going too detailed, like not creating the exact thing that they asked for but looking at the landscape and saying, okay, this group of users wants this, this other group of users wants this. Um, so, for example, we might be talking about schools using Canva versus large enterprises using Canva. Now, you might approach those as two different markets and you could create entirely different products for those markets, but there is some commonality between them. They're both working with large groups of people. Uh, they both need to organize their work. They both need to give permission to various artifacts within your program to different people throughout the organization. And when you look at it like that, you can start creating a much bigger product which services a greater need and does it in a simpler way. So you're not building these niche micro features for millions and millions of different types of people. You're building a common toolkit that people can take from school to workplace to huge enterprise and still get value out of it. And that's been our philosophy and it's worked pretty well today. We're talking with Cam Adams on This Week in Startups Australia, and we'll be right back. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people who you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective. And it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results, with user testing, you get to see real reactions and hear real opinions really fast, in real time at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not, so you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You feel what your customer feels, so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing, real human insight. And we're 
We're back talking to Canva co-founder and chief product officer, Cam Adams. So I want to tell you about a penny drop moment because this is going to lead to my next question. So for uh, one intake, I was the entrepreneur at residence at Incubate. And I was sitting with some folks who were doing some amazing technical sort of radar-y work, like next generation radar-y work. And they were, you know, very, very highfalutin physicists, as you would be for this kind of work. And we've got them to the point where we're coaching them for their big pitch at the end of the incubate. And they've got their deck. And I'm I'm sitting there with James and I and I'm trying to remember who else. This is James Alexander. And it is the ugliest deck any of us have ever seen. And we've all seen some really ugly decks. And we, you know, we're getting to the meat of this, but we're, we're, we're fighting against this deck. And I remember at the end of this, James says, okay, at the end of this meeting, which was about to end, go log on to canva.com and get yourself a presentation. <laughs> and it was the first time that just apropos of nothing, Canva had come into a conversation as a solution that was exactly the right answer. Because when we met with these folks the next week, everything was beautiful. We're like, oh my God, it's, it's Christmas is saved sort of thing. That was my first intimation. This would have been early 2018 that Canva was gonna be really big because if it was being integrated in such just a simple, basic way, which brings me to my question, at what point did it become clear to you? Was there a moment or was there a process that you understood that Canva would be an outstandingly successful firm? 2018, Mark. Geez, you're a bit, you're a bit late on the adoption curve there. I think, uh, I think you could see the writing on the wall much earlier than that. I think the thing about startups is there's rarely this moment where the clouds part and there's this shining answer lying before you. It's always the aggregation of a bunch of small things that scale up together into something huge. Um, so I can't point to this, to this moment where Canva magically became this hugely scaled piece of software. Uh, but I do remember some points along the road where it really wowed me as to what Canva could do. One of those was a uh, email we got from someone in South America who runs an orphanage over there. And they had started using Canva for their newsletters at the orphanage, which, you know, essentially help find homes for the kids in their care. Um, Canva plays a very small part in that. Obviously, everyone who actually works at the orphanage is, is doing all the hard work. But it helped them communicate their idea. And this I remember getting that email and this notion that someone halfway around the world who we'd never spoken to had somehow discovered our software and was using it in a way we had never thought of, like that wasn't a use case that was top of our list that we're designing for, but which had this amazing positive social impact, uh, it just floored me. And that's when I truly realized the power of what we'd created. Um, I can't remember how many users we had at the time. It wasn't too many. Uh, but just getting, it's funny, with, with startups, you kind of need to work at the macro and the micro at the same time and thinking about the big trends of like, oh, we're getting thousands of users from this country. Let's go into that and help grow that. But also those real micro stories, uh, what makes it all worthwhile? Hearing that story of someone who's used a design to have that impact 
is really what connects us as humans. And that's why we make the product. It's so that one person can have that amazing story. And time and time again, I hear those stories of how Canva has enabled people to communicate in a better way, whether that's through a pitch deck or a post that they put on Facebook trying to find their biological birth mother or a resume that they send out that they've done in Canva, which lets them get their first job. Like there's all these stories of how design has helped people achieve things that they couldn't have achieved before. And that's really why we create the product. All right, so you you talked about it and I could feel it sort of behind the response that you gave that you're, I think, proud in the best possible sense of the fact that you've created something that can help people do their good work in the world, right? And that, that you're happy around that. And that, I guess, starts to shift the focus of what I want to talk to you about because, again, philanthropy is of a piece with that. Now, let me just start a little personally. My father was always very clear with me when I was growing up that philanthropy, that giving to others is a responsibility, that if you were doing a well, you had a responsibility to share that because that's part of what being a good person is, right? That's that's what I grew up with. Now, you are a co-founder of a company, one of the three co-founders, and all of the co-founders of that company have put philanthropy front and center. So let me start with where do your own feelings about philanthropy come from? Uh, I think very, very similar to you. I think we're very fortunate, not only here in Australia, but working in the tech scene where you can get a job pretty easily that pays really well. Um, and there's lots of places in the world where you can't do that. There's lots of people who aren't afforded that opportunity. And I feel very lucky to be in this position and extra lucky to be in, in the position of being a co-founder of Canva. And when you look at that and the success we've had and the value that we've managed to derive from that, it means that we need to pass that opportunity on. And we try and find as many ways as we can of using Canva to pass that opportunity on to people who aren't as fortunate who don't get the same opportunities and who could use a leg up. And we've tried to find as many ways as we could within Canva, within the product, within the structure and the organization that we have to do that, whether that means giving out money or starting programs or teaching people about things or diving in and, and sending supplies to people who have been hit by bushfires and floods. Um, you know, we try to find as many ways as we can of doing that. And it's distilled in, in one of our values. I don't think last time we chatted, we'd actually formalized the culture and the values at Canva, but we spent a lot of time, probably I think 2016, thinking about what Canva actually was as an organization and why people came to work there and what they wanted to achieve there. And We'd always talked about creating a place where we would want to work and come every day and a place that attracted the, the greatest minds and people who really wanted to tackle big problems. Um, but we'd never put into words what that actually meant for being a part of Canva, like what it meant to be a Canva Nought, how it shaped your decisions and your behaviours. And in 2016, we decided to put it down on paper and we actually came up with 12 values which no one could ever remember because you don't have 12 fingers. So you're not going to be able to tick them off. 
And after trying for like six months to, to get everyone to remember those 12 values, we said, okay, this isn't working. And we went back to the drawing board uh, and we came up with six values. And those values have stayed constant over the last six or seven years. And one of those is be a force for good. And that really epitomizes what we want every decision at Canva to think about. We don't want it to just be something that you donate to after you've gotten the credit card details from someone. We want you to think about being a force for good in everything that you do, whether that's decisions about the UI that you present to people or where we source our food from in the kitchens or what kind of paper we print on, what inks we use, how we ship stuff around the world, uh, you know, the types of programs that we have for nonprofit organizations who get Canva for free, as well as schools, teachers, and students who also get it for free. Um, and we're constantly thinking of these ways in which we can bring goodness and multiplying goodness into all the different parts of Canva itself. With those six principles and with those, and, and very much the principle of being a force for good, someone who is looking for a job at Canva, do you sense that that is there's a reflexivity there that they are in part making that decision because of that value? And does that then end up being a bit of a self-selection around that, that people who are attracted to those values are the folks that you're going to want at Canva? Definitely. And it's something we, you know, we desperately want to happen is to act as both an attractor and a filter. Um, I actually run still run one of our onboarding sessions for everyone that comes to Canva. Um, and it's the culture and values session where I talk about our culture and our values and how they've evolved. And I always ask the question at the start of the session, why did you join Canva? And it's amazing to hear the answers. They're very varied and diverse, but a lot of them boil down to, I believe in what Canva believes in and what you have communicated about what it means to be at Canva and the impact that we're having at Canva is the reason I'm here. Uh, so I often hear the same values that we talk about reflected in people who newly arrived to Canva. And those values play a big part in why they chose to not only research the company, but apply for a job and go through the interview process and ultimately land you know, a job as an engineer, a marketer, a designer, or a product manager. Um, so it is a massive part of Canva's attractive force to the best talent in the world. Um, and it is also a real, I think, perk for everyone who lives here, uh, or sorry, who works at Canva, because they believe in the work that they're doing and they can see the good that it does. Cam, thank you very much for coming on to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you, Mark. As always, a massive pleasure. The fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences that make your customers come back. Just like Jason Calacanis. Jason has a very public obsession with amazing customer service and relies on Zendesk for his launch investment syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him about each of his deals. 
Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get their industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for Startups, visit Zendesk.com slash Twista. It's become almost a truism to acknowledge this thing called the Great Resignation, or perhaps as Jason calls it, the Great Renegotiation, that people are currently coming out of the pandemic and revisiting the reasons for their careers and who they're working for and why they're working. And while we can see a sort of reassortment of people and jobs and businesses taking place, we need to take a look at all of the reasons this might be happening. Now, some of it is, of course, around the transition to remote work. And Jason and I took a look at that during his extensive interview in Series 10, that people don't want to spend hours commuting anymore and managers are becoming very insistent, almost shrieking at the workers to come back into offices that they would prefer not to return to. So there is, of course, quite a tug of war over that. But if you're, say, in mid-career... Why would you stay and why would you go? If you are happy with what you're doing and the people you're working with and why you're doing it, you're more likely to stay where you are. And it would have to be either a very substantial raise or a substantial change in lifestyle quality to get you to change. And I feel as though this is part of the reason of the secret sauce behind Canva, why there are now practically three thousand employees. I was talking to someone at a very large, an ASX 10 firm the other day, who was complaining that he couldn't hire good tech people because they were all being sucked up by Canva. And I have to feel that this ASX 10 company could offer a salary that was at least as good, if not better than Canva. So we have to ask ourselves, well, why is that? Is it because a startup is shiny and people want to work at a start? Well, maybe. That might be true for some people. That is certainly not true for a lot of people who would actually value the stability of an ASX 10 company because they know that their job will be there tomorrow. They can, if they want, settle in for a very comfortable career at something like that. So, in fact, there are definitely attractors both ways. But I think it really has more to do with how does that job make people feel? When they're looking at the founders, and in a startup, you can always look to the founders. You know, in a larger business that's going for a while, you have to kind of look to the CEO for guidance, for moral guidance. And this, of course, is where a lot of large businesses run aground because the CEO may not be a paragon of those qualities. And that uh, sets the tone for people, for their expectations, but also for how they're going to feel about their own level of fulfillment in that role. And I think everyone who's looking at Canva is looking at the fact that Mel and Clint and Cam have decided that they're going to give away the larger portion of their fortunes for philanthropic causes. That, in fact, 
Canva exists to make the world a better place. And yes, it does that by democratizing design tools, and it has done that outstandingly well and continues to. But that the business itself as something that generates revenue and profits is also something that is putting those profits to work to better the case for humankind. And you can't really gloss that. You're either going to have that or you're not. And most businesses are not going to have that because most businesses are about delivering shareholder returns. Canva is a private business. Yes, it has lots of investment from lots of different companies. And I assume that means that they're going to have to go public at some point to pay those investors their due. But even so, things are already set in place with about one third of Canva stock, that that stock is really always in perpetuity going to be used for the betterment of mankind. And this is something that was established basically at the outset of Canva that's embedded into core principles at Canva. And CAM is very much charged with the transmission of those principles to the new employees, something that he actually relishes because he knows that that transmission of principles is what makes Canva Canva. It's what brought people to Canva. It's what keeps people at Canva. It's what makes Canva an irresistible opportunity in a market where people are basically throwing money at talented people to bring them on board. So this is something that every startup entrepreneur can ask. One of the things we're going to be doing with the world-changing entrepreneurs that we're talking to over Series 10 is help them articulate to us what they think they're doing to change the world and how they think that brings the right employees to them. Because I feel that this is part of the reason that world-changing companies can succeed. It's because they can articulate a vision that makes people proud of the work that they're doing. And that pride is worth more than any paycheck. We'll be back in a moment. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, including Australia, where startups brought in a record $4.2 in investments. Our crowd identifies those companies with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine, to cybersecurity, to robotics, quantum computing, and more, our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, early. Our crowd is the fastest-growing venture capital investment community. Sophisticated investors have already invested over $2 billion in growing tech companies. And our crowd has skin in the game. They invest in their portfolio companies and use their extensive networks to help those startups succeed. As a sophisticated investor, you can truly diversify your portfolio with early investments in innovative private market companies at our crowd. Join the fastest-growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash Twista. Individual results may vary. There's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Invest wisely. So you've really only heard about half of the interview with Cam Adams. We talked a lot about his own world-changing philanthropic efforts, and that's coming up in a later episode of This Week in Startups Australia. 
Big thanks to Twista sponsors User Testing, Zendesk, and Our Crowd. Big thanks to Cameron Adams for making time to come on to our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at thisweekinstartups.au. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at thisweekinstartups.au. Next week, we'll take a deep dive into the upcoming federal election in our second news special for Series 10. There's a lot here to unpack so you can cast your ballot fully informed. That's coming up next week. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening. 